a lie. In America today, truth is considered to be relative or subjective. Truth is whatever we want it to be. There's not such a thing as absolute truth. And truth is whatever is expedient at the time. We can rationalize it and just make it about anything. What is truth? Ask the people in Eau Claire and Chippewa Valley today, and their answers could be, it's not knowable for sure. Or it's whatever you perceive truth to be. Or it's whatever you want truth to be. Or it's your opinion. It's your idea. We have a problem today with what I would call is truth decay. Truth decay. Nobody, it seems, is willing to take a stand on truth. No one is willing to appear closed-minded or politically incorrect and say, this is truth and I will stake my life on it. Because of truth decay, it's become increasingly difficult to uncover a lie. There are some people who can't tell a lie, some who can't tell the truth, and many others who can't tell the difference. Some have absolutely no respect for truth, or they will just deny that truth exists at all. However, our lives are based on truth, our very existence, foundation. It's based on truth. True or false? If you breathe in water instead of air, you will drown. True. Okay. True or false? If your heart stops beating, you will die. True. Okay. Glad we all agree with that. We must eat food and drink water in order to stay alive. True or false? Okay. If you jump off the top of a skyscraper and flap your arms fast enough, you can fly. Yeah, okay, we'll make sure that's false. Okay. <laughs> if you consume more calories than you burn, you will gain weight. I know Thanksgiving is a bad time to bring that up. There's a new eating regimen. It's called, if it tastes good, spit it out. That's what it is. Well, I guess there are some facts that most people can agree on. Truth is also the foundation of our justice or our legal court system. Like the farmer Clyde in our story, the judge is trying to discover the truth. People today will try to manipulate the truth, obfuscate the truth, deny the truth, offer their own versions of truth. They will get others to lie for them. Well, truth decay is not a new problem. It's been a problem from the beginning of creation. Truth is so important that he, God included it in God's top ten. God's top ten. We're on the ninth commandment of God's top ten. And I want us to look at that today as we look at truth decay. The simple commandment in Exodus 20. Exodus 20 verse 16 says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And just a, a couple chapters later, later, Exodus 23, 1 says, Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Kyle and Delish write, Not only is lying prohibited, but false and unfounded evidence in general, not only evidence before a judge, but false evidence of any and every kind. Walter Kaiser says the ninth commandment calls for sanctity of truth in all areas of our life 
even though the vocabulary reflects the legal process in Israel. To despise truth was to despise God, whose very being and character are truth. Truth. As Kaiser says, in the original setting, this command had to do with court testimony, trials in which the witnesses were under oath to tell the truth. And this needed to be spelled out since there are many, many different things that could subvert truth. How many of you like John Grisham? His books, movies? Okay, I really like him. He, he wrote a book called Runaway Jury. And this might be more reflective of what we see today, especially with the political climate. He describes how the legal process is to work during a civil or criminal trial and why it sometimes does not work very well. A jury is supposed to hear all the testimony, look at all the evidence, and determine the truth, innocent or guilty. When we enter the story on page 256 of Runaway Jury, we find a discussion going on. One of the characters, Fitch, says, tell me how the deal works. To Marley, the other character says, it's very simple. We agree on the verdict that you want. Just look at the menu and place your order. Then we agree on the price. You get your money ready. Wait until the very end, until the lawyers finish their closing arguments and the jury retires to deliberate. At that point, I furnish you with the wiring instructions and the money is immediately sent to a bank in, uh, say, Switzerland. Once I get confirmation the money has been received, then the jury returns your verdict. Okay? There's a lot of truth to that kind of subversion of truth, moving to lies. In this case, truth doesn't matter. Money does. Of course, fixing a jury is just kind of a subplot in the whole story. The key element is discovering the truth and seeing that justice is done. Justice. In the Old Testament, bearing a false witness was considered to be a very serious offense. In fact, it was so serious, it was so serious that if you were the person whose false testimony wrongly convicted someone, if discovered, that person would receive the same penalty as the accused. That's how serious it was. If someone were a false witness in a murder trial, they would receive the death penalty upon discovery of the truth. For robbery, the compensation was an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth. Not just for the actual crime, but also for the false testimony. The punishment always fit the crime. Exactly. This applies to a court of law, and the damage done is obvious. If you're not an attorney or have never been involved in a court case in some capacity, or never watched L.A. Law or Bull or one of those programs, this seems to be kind of an irrelevant commandment. Yeah, how many of you have ever gone to jury duty? Wow, we got, we got really good citizens here. <laughs> you know what jury duty is like. It's an important part of our judicial process. And you understand it. But what about, separate from this, what about just playing lying? What about just playing lying? We're not going to talk about the court so much. What does God say? In addition to the commandment, we find God's word regarding truth in Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. 6, 16 to 19 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises evil schemes, 
feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. It says, six things the Lord hates, seven are detestable, or an abomination. This is strong language. Strong language. Note that lying occurs twice in that passage. A lying tongue and a false witness who pours out lies. Someone said sin has many tools, but lie is the one that is the handle of all of them. Joy Davidman writes about this particular passage. The false witness, the wicked heart, the lying tongue, and troublemaker were early recognized as aspects of the same man and the same sin. And gradually men perceived that there was more than one way to tell a lie. True. Now, most of us become very defensive if accused of lying. Somehow the label liar evokes a deep-seated defensiveness and probably because we realize that all of life, all of relationships, all of everything is based on truth, on truth. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But in America, we have a problem with truth decay. I want us to take some time this morning to look at some ways that people lie. These are some ways that people lie. Okay? This is the commandment applied, Roman numeral 2. The commandment applied. The first one has to do with lies of the tongue, letter A. Lies of the tongue. First one is perjury. It has to give a false witness, provide false evidence. And most of us will probably say, I'm off the hook on that. I guess, I, I guess it doesn't apply to me. Well, then let's look at just number two, the outright lie, the simple lie. Most of us are not so brash, not so bold as to just outright lie. We're smarter than that and more subtle. But remember what Mark Twain said, nobody has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. Nobody has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. Now, we smile and make at that statement, probably reminiscing or thinking about some time we got tangled up in trying to remember which part of what lie and what part of the story did I tell this person and that person, and it kind of comes home to roost eventually. Then there's boasting, number three. Bragging is a lie. It can be if we're telling false facts about us that are not true or not totally true. How about gossip? Gossip, number four. As we look at the sequence in Proverbs 6, the final statement in verse 19 is, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. We have, one of our values is loyalty to the absent. If you look at our values, we have seven of them listed on our, our website. Loyalty to the absent means that we refuse to gossip or spread any misinformation, disinformation, or even true information that might just be negative. It's valuing that relationship. The great tragedy of gossip is that we pass along information that we assume is true. Most often, gossip has an element of truth, but in reality, is usually removed from the fact so far that it's unrecognizable. Therefore, we do irreparable damage to innocent people by passing on a lie. Now, those are just a few examples of the lies of the tongue. It's not exhaustive, but it's illustrative. You could probably name a whole bunch more illustrations of lies of the tongue. Then there's letter B, lies of silence. We don't think about that very often. Lies of silence. 
Leviticus 5.1 says, if a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. Whoa, live silence. Yeah. Silence. Silence. William Barclay writes, one of the most interesting facts about Jewish law is that the man who refuses to give evidence when he has evidence to give, is condemned as severely as a man who gives false evidence. Whoa. They have evidence that will exonerate somebody, and they don't give it. That's just as bad as giving false evidence, according to this Old Testament passage. It's an important principle that a cowardly or careless and irresponsible silence can be as senseless a crime as false and lying speech. The sin of silence is as real as a sin of speech. And sometimes it costs to speak up. It does. So we remain silent. Our silence or failure to defend or refusal to bring forward facts contribute to the demise of someone else's reputation, livelihood, or job, or contributes to truth decay. Silence. Another sin of silence is omission. Omission. Omission is by what, lying by what we do not say. I didn't lie. I just didn't tell the whole truth. <laughs> lying by omission. A lie can be deliberately withholding of truth from someone who has a right to know. Then there's gestures, number three. Just gestures, really? Yeah. We can lie by gestures or body language, a raised eyebrow, a shrugging of our sh shoulders. Did you know that he's the father of the baby? Just a gesture. We didn't correct it. We just kind of went along with it. Leading someone to believe a lie without saying anything, just emotion. And that, too, can be a lie. It's a breaking of the ninth commandment. Letter C, lies of lifestyle or action. Lies of lifestyle or action. What do we mean by this? The most common has to do with contradicting our profession with our actions. Contradicting our profession with our actions. Number one is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is living a lie, deceiving others, pretending to be something we are not. I know we, nobody does that here. Nobody does that. Hypocrisy. Jesus had some strong words for hypocrites. Matthew 23 says his words. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. That's a great picture. You strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You, are, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. And he talks about what they like. And same, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. On the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and, and wickedness. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying the teachers of the law, scribes and Pharisees, were living a lie. They were pretending to be one thing. And in reality, they were something else. And they had reduced right and wrong only to the externals, observable actions. Then they could hide what's really inside. Until Jesus exposed them. That's what happens. Yeah. Are there any hypocrites in churches today? 
none of us can measure up totally to how we portray ourselves. So I think that in some way, all of us may practice that kind of a hypocrisy. That's why we ought to daily pray the prayer found in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Great prayer every day. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me, know my thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. We are called to be real people, forgiven people, people of forgiveness, people of grace, not law. Two, lying to self. Do we ever lie to ourselves? Do we deceive ourselves? Sometimes we lie to ourselves just to feel better. Proverbs 16, 2 says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. Ah, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. It's easy to deceive ourselves. And then number three, lying to God. Have you ever tried to lie to God? (laughs) It doesn't work very well. The most well-known example of lying to God is Acts 5, where lies told by Ananias and Sapphira, they told the people they were attributed, they told the lies to people, but it was attributed as lying to God. The results were just disastrous. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, Joy David, when writing about lying to God, says the alternative is a horrible one. Beginning and ending in pride. At first we lie about our virtues. We progress to lying about our our desserts. In a moment more, we lie about the world's reason for denying us good things, so obviously we deserve. Ultimately, we may feel justified in telling any lie to get those good things, a woman, a job, a victory, or just a moment of safety. Letter D, let's look at acceptable lies. Let's look at... When I say acceptable, it's in quotes, what we think are acceptable lies. What are they? What do we find? Number one is exaggeration. Exaggeration. Sometimes the truth hurts, and you would hurt too if you got stretched so much. That's what one guy said. We smile when we hear those fish stories about the one that got away. You know, exaggeration. Um, I can't wait to hear all the hunting stories when everybody gets back from hunting about the big one that I shot and he made it, I don't know, whatever. We do that. Now, I once saw a story, it was on television, that illustrated a life of exaggeration. You say, what's the big deal about exaggeration? Does it hurt anything? There was a teenage boy who was trying to live up to the exaggerated image of his father's basketball exploits in high school. Okay? He heard these stories and he was trying to be what his father had been. Well, as the story unfolded in this this story, the truth finally came out. It was the state championship game. And the father, his father, had become the unlikely hero of this game. They were down by one point in the last seconds with all the players in foul trouble. His father was the last one on the bench. He had not played a minute all season. But one player followed out, leaving them with only four players on the floor. There was nobody left to go in. They were faced with forfeit with only four players. So they were forced to put his father in. Well, as can only happen, true story, as can only happen in, in high school basketball, 
by the fluke of circumstances, his father ended up with a ball at half court with three seconds to go. And he just heaved it toward the basket. And it went in. And they won the state championship. The story was always told about his father's great basketball exploits of how he won the state championship. And he spent all his life trying to live up to that. He was, he was, like, he was likely as disinclined athletically, so he didn't really succeed in basketball. It was a lie of exaggeration. And when truth was finally revealed, it, everybody was set free. So exaggeration. Uh, number two, insincere flattery. Insincere flattery. Sometimes a spiritual gift of encouragement, okay, and we need encouragement. We need the gift of encouragement. As long as it's not abused, is flattery. Just to be sure. Flattering someone to make them feel good. The modem, motive may be altruistic or not, but maybe to seek some advantage. Do I encourage or do I flatter? One is based on truth for good purposes. The other is a lie and can be destructive. Then there are white lies. White lies. You've heard of white lies? Is there such a thing as a white lie? This is a lie for a good reason. Perhaps to preserve someone's feelings or dignity. You're eating dinner at your boss's house. And his spouse asks how everything tastes. You can lie and say uh, everything tastes delicious when you dislike the pea salad, the squash, or kidney beans. You didn't like much of anything. Or you can say you did a great job of preparation. Okay? You, I'd, I'd, I probably would have gotten fired too if that would happen. Now there is such a thing as diplomacy. There's diplomacy, and that's good. You may be asked what you think of the neighbor's eight-year-old violin playing. And you can tell the truth and say, oh, that's the noise I hear. Every time I hear, I shut the windows because beginning violinists, they're not like our violinist. Our violinist is phenomenal. When they start, not so much. You could say, He's going to be a concert violinist someday. I can just tell. That would be diplomacy. Now, are there justifiable white lies? Are there justifiable white lies? Um, Joy Davidman, in a, in, in a humor, gives some wise words. He says, she says, as to whether there is such a thing as a white lie, well, no one has devised a rule of conduct that can be applied to every imaginable case. And the rule against lying is no exception. Here as elsewhere, charity and common sense must be our guides. She writes, if a man comes to my door waving a gun, announcing that he'll shoot his wife the minute he finds her, I shall certainly tell him I've not seen her for a week, even though I've just finished hiding the poor woman in my closet. <laughs> okay. There are circumstances that are there justifiable lies. In 2003, President George Bush was flying in Air Force One in total secrecy, he was going to have a surprise Thanksgiving dinner with their troops in Iraq. While flying over the Atlantic Ocean, a British Airways pilot spotted the plane with a presidential seal, and he radioed, did I just see Air Force One? And the pilot, faced with lying or telling the truth, lied for obvious security reasons. He replied, this is Gulfstream 5. Just shade. Okay, so there are acceptable instances 
of white lies. How about half-truths, number four? Someone said, some people do not lie. They merely present the truth in a way that nobody recognizes it. Just remember, two half-truths do not make a whole truth. That's one thing. There are many other acceptable lies in our culture, pious fraud, lying for a good cause, false advertising. We never see any of that. Um, interpretive journalism represented the facts, which is, of course, called fake news. And there are outright misrepresentations, selling a used car is new, for example. There are a lot of different ways. Truth decay, lies. I think all of us would admit that at some point in our life, we've invented or utilized some of those examples. So what have we done about it? That's, that's a question. That's why we always talk about at the end of every one of these commandments, we talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness, because none of us can keep it perfectly. The good news is we can be forgiven, but the only way to get rid of sin is to first admit that we did it, then in honesty repent and ask God to forgive us. All sin, remember, all sin is first against God. Then we must make right with the person that we lied against. So I 1 John 8, 1, 8 through, 1, 8 through 9 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, even lies. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you present a challenge for truth. And I pray, God, as we are living in this uh, crazy time of mistruth and misrepresentations and so many things out there, we hold to the truth because we believe in the truth of the word of God. And you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I just pray, God, that you would give us a solid sense of truth as we live close to you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.